You've now decided to send yourself to the principal's office. And the entire role of a, a principal isn't isn't always to be the leader. Sometimes you're walking side by side. You've accepted the challenge to become a leader in education. If you are a tireless advocate for kids and for achievement for all, if you're answering yes, then I think thinking about leadership is really important because that's that's what it takes to help move more and more. You've named and claimed your mission. You need to really truly understand your why. Why do you want to do this? Welcome to A Matter of Principles, Episode 4, Why Edgewood. Having that why, being really clear on what your passion and your vision is for learning and for all kids. In your heart, if you believe that your why is centered around children. Welcome to A Matter of Principles, Episode 4. You just need, you need to have that. You need to have your why. Why Edgewood. Why would you want to go into it? And then how can the, the educational leadership can help you get that change? Join our panel. Mike, we know that you have a full-time job and you are doing this on top to make a difference in that full-time job. Jennifer, I look for people who are brave. And Lala, what is your mission or what is it that you want to see? What is the change that you want to see in the world? As they discuss your why. The course is designed around what, what future directors, what do they need to know? and be able to do. And why that has led you to Edgewood. One of the most attractive things in this program though, is that Edgewood, because of the personalization of this, it is much more flexible to people that are working, understanding that you're spending the day giving everything you have, working with our babies out there, right? This is a matter of principles. And now your host, Dean of the School of Education at Edgewood College. Dr. Tim Slecker. We've done, you know, a great introduction into this idea of becoming an, an educational leader. We've talked about the ups and downs, um, some of the passions that drove each of you into this position. As we come into this kind of last episode and talk more to the potential school leader out there that's listening, there's a nitty gritty. And again, we don't want to go course by course, but Mike, I'm going to ask you though, what's it take to be a principal? You need to really truly understand your why. Why do you want to do this? I think you need to be able to articulate it. And I think that you need to be extremely aware that not everybody's going to agree with it, but in your heart, if you believe that your why is centered around children and is centered around short of a parent, uh, the teacher and then the principal are the two most influential people in that in these children's lives. You just need you need to have that. You need to have your why. Jennifer, why am I going to step from a teacher out of that classroom into the ranks of leadership? So I think the greatest leaders are those folks that are in the classroom. And I think that when you realize that as a teacher, you also recognize that if you're going to make an impact at a if you have the ability or the vision to make an impact at a systems level, it's hairy work. And if that's at all exciting to you, you should consider making that leap. Because I think the three critical components to that leadership leap are, um, like Mike said, having that why, being really clear on what your passion and your vision is for learning and for all kids. Then I think if you have the ability to think uh, systems without losing sight of the people, you should be thinking even deeper about actually jumping into leadership. And then lastly, if you are a tireless advocate for kids and for achievement for all, if you can check off those three boxes, then if you're answering yes, then I think thinking about leadership is really important because that's that's what it takes to help move more and more uh, kids to higher and higher That's pretty nitty-gritty, giving us three boxes like that. I you asked Mike that. first, so I had time I, to think. <laughs> so you went over to the right. Lalo, what's your why? 
I think that they mentioned that the mission, the vision, and the why are the three most important things. I think as they were answering, though, one of the things that I was thinking about was the students who come to me and they said, I'm not sure that I, I want to go into that leadership mm -hmm. role yet, but how the classes allow them to ask, explore these questions about the why is it that you want to do it, the mission that you have, the um, efficacy that you want to add, add for the students. And so it's been kind of interesting to kind of see the students kind of explore that through the area. So I'm often meeting with potential candidates who are interested in the leadership uh, program, and they say, well, I'm not sure if I really want to go into administration. And so the discussion becomes, and well, why would you want to go into it in terms of what is your mission or what is it that you want to see? What is the change that you want to see in the world? And then how can the, uh, the educational leadership can help you get that change? So we've got the power, the passion, the advocacy. I love that part, Jennifer, but talking about that, because I think that's one of the, when Lalo and I talk about this as an edu program, um, this advocacy being at the center and, and, and you know, cultural linguistic pluralities and, and understanding socioeconomics and, and making sure that we highlight the, the, the value of equity and where that comes from. Mm -hmm. But Lalo, I want to, you know, just quick, because I know there's somebody out there listening saying, okay, how many credits? <laughs> So, so I'm a teacher, I'm a licensed, I'm fully licensed, I want to go to Edgewood, I want to become a principal. Just tell me how many credits. So though, in order to get the educational leadership, so whether it be the principal, director of instruction, director of special education on pupil services, you need to first make sure you have a master's degree. So if you don't have the master's degree, then you need to enroll into our master's program. Which you can do. Which you could do simultaneously. So, so you can simultaneously get, so you don't need a master's to start our program. Correct. Okay, but when so. you finish, you'll have a master's and the principals. And potentially the director of instruction okay. or, or the Okay, right. Yeah. So I was just talking principal, but all three of those licenses that we have out there, you finish with a master's. But yes. if you have a master's, so let's answer that question. So if you were to do the master's track, it would be 33 credits. Okay, 33 us. credits. However, then our, we have a, a course sequence for our, our principal license. We have a course sequence for our director of instruction and a course sequence for our director of special education and pupil services. So for the principal license, you need eight courses in each of our courses course is three credits, so a total of 24 credits. If the students are interested in, in just kind of exploring it and see kind of if they've taken classes somewhere else and they want to see if we could do an audit transcript for them to see if they've started taking classes at another institution and then they want to see if any of those transfer over to Edgewood, we could do an audit for them. And so they could just inquire about it and I could create a plan for them. So that's the other nice thing about our program and that I really like that you do is in being a small institution and even Mike and Jennifer as, as, as faculty members giving that individual attention, but Lalo is the director giving each individual student an audit so that they can say, hey, you know what, it actually looks like, you know, you need 24 credits because yes. the reality is now we don't want to hold them back in <laughs> edge when thinking as much. We want to get great leaders out there. Correct. Mike, I want to throw a different question. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I now get this. I'm, I'm fully in. I know my credits. I've met with Lalo. What are you giving me for homework in your class? Well, yeah. <laughs> A lot of it is just real time. I mean, we'll we'll do a little bit of reading and coming back, but it's all stuff that you can build on on the job. If you're teaching, currently teaching, it is best practices that you're using in in class. You know, reflection. I, I think about supervision. It's always about reflecting and revising, right? That's the same th type of deal we do as a principal. The homework is nothing tedious. It's not stuff that is just going to fill time. It's stuff that you can use and it's tangible. Mm -hmm. It's real life 
as well as we always we always set time up to just talk about this amongst the the entire class. You work on collaboration, and because as a principal, you're collaborating with all sorts of different people. You're working on just talking in front of groups of people. Um, not everybody you can talk in front of a group of kids, or you get in front of adults, and it's very different. Mm-hmm. We just work on some of those skills as well. Is there something specific you look for in the class from a student to say? That's a leader. Confidence and reflection. Both of those two. Those are the two biggest ones. Confidence of being able to say, I don't know, and being able to sit down and own the fact that they're a novice in this so far. They haven't gotten there yet. But then also the reflection of it is an entirely different world when you're looking at it through the lens of a principal as opposed to in a single class and being able to watch them grow and to be able to think about um, different approaches. And, And you have to be able to look at at all sorts of levels on this. Um, uh, those are the two things. I've hired um, several people that have been in my class, both as instructional leaders as well as uh, admin. I love that part. The fact is is that you actually hire people, too. Mm-hmm. So it's, this is not just a degree. Jennifer, when I'm looking to be a leader in special education, so in your classes, what should I expect? The first thing, I would echo what Mike said, which is I, I look for people who are brave. We used the word um, confident, but I think I, I like the word bravery um, because when we walk into this work and we laugh about it in my office all the time, you just amass, you amass more and more experiences as every year passes and you never know everything. And so I think people who are brave know they're going to walk in and they're not going to know what's going on, but they know what their core is and they know how to problem solve and advocate for kids. So uh, being being courageous, being brave, that's the first thing. Then secondly, being excellent problem solvers that are uh, unflappable in really stressful, hairy situations mm-hmm. with kids because that, that's what crosses the desk of the director of student services and, and uh, special education all the time. When I step into your classroom and I've got the, and you see in me a look of going, I'm not sure, mm-hmm. how, how do you help me with that? So three things that we focus on in my class. and Three well, things again? I know. I like three. <laughs> it feels good. First of all, the whole, thing, the whole course is about networking because you are always problem solving. The law is constantly changing. Situations for st- with students are constantly changing. So really developing your network and then focusing on different problem solving strategies uh, like consultancy models. Those are things that um, we do within the class. And so watching how people help to support one another and how we play off of we come in with a level of doubt or a level of being unsure and then together learn that it's working with people and not in isolation that you can come up with the best solutions when I see that within people that that recognition like oh I can facilitate groups to come to good solutions then I think that's how people get more and more confident realizing it's not all on your shoulders it's about how you activate the talent that's around you. Lalo I'm I'm walking to your class what am I going to get from you? I think similar to what they mentioned, like the critical thinking skills of how do you have the passion of what are the different topics that you're researching or what are the different problems that you want to solve. A lot of the courses that I teach are also about school law and, and curriculum planning kind of revolve around like how do you understand, how do you understand multiple perspectives? Mm-hmm. How do you build networks and partnerships and different stakeholders? How do you work with different people to make sure that you could solve a, a, 
be a problem solver and also be able to provide different opportunities for the students. And the word of advocacy, I feel like that's one that comes up again um, because the students are constantly advocating for different groups within their schools as well. The thing I keep hearing from you or not hearing is, is none of you are giving me a prescription of what I'm going to do to become a leader and get the credentials in your classroom. Am I hearing that right? It's Jennifer. Yep. Well, I think leadership is finding, it's it's using your own skill. You're, it's playing off of your own strengths to help to activate the to the larger cause. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about designing the class so that students find out what it is that their strengths are and what their areas of growth are, and then figuring out how am I going to work around that, that's the greatest skill I feel like we can give. People can look up content. We can all access information, but do we have the skills in order to, to navigate the tricky situations that come within leadership? That's what I, I think the class is more about, at least from my perspective. Yeah, and well, I would also add, I think Mike said, you want to have the students engage with things that they could take back to their classrooms or their schools. And so the importance of contextualizing leadership as well. Mm -hmm. So we could talk about what makes great leaders, what makes great teachers as well. But at the end of the day, it's also what are they taking back with them to the institution or the district or the partnerships where they're going to as well. And I think that that's also important because they're able to analyze different needs from each communities within their district or within their school to be able to take on this responsibility. Mike? Yeah, I mean, I don't want you to think that we're flying by the seat of our pants, right? Mm-hmm. That's not the case. I, I was going to come back with yeah. that question, <laughs> so go for it. Well, we, we have, there's plans, but we're responsive. One of the things as a principal, we ask teachers to be is being responsive. The key word or buzzword right now, especially in urban areas, is culturally responsive. Mm-hmm. We're being responsive to the needs of our students. We still have a curriculum or we still have some set standards that we need to ensure that our, our students are proficient in. But by able to get in, in a little bit deeper and more real-life tangible experiences, conversations, examples, whatever word you want to use on that, that's a better chance that, that these future principals or future leaders, they're, they're still, they're leaders now, but right. Future principals, directors, whatnot, being able to—that's going to be that one of those keys in which they're going to remember, mm-hmm. and and they hopefully then will be able to go back, and when they are leading a professional development with their teachers and such, speaking about the importance of again of being responsive. What was the best way that you learned? Mm-hmm. I, I know that you know I've co-taught a few classes, and we debrief, and that went well. That we we want to make an adjustment here, mm-hmm. and then we owned that as well, and saying you know hey listen. We are making this adjustment because we saw maybe your long day of teaching or your long day of working before you come in. So we're making engaging as well. So is that a modeling opportunity then too when you're doing that? By, by making that adjustment, do you also then reflect on going, hey, I want you all to see the fact that we just made an adjustment and that's okay? Something like, and Jennifer, you're kind of really not. No. You know, people can't see. <laughs> I just move can't a lot. hear you right? nod. Yeah, that's okay. lost in translation. So, yeah. I, mean, it, I think that when I think about um, planning for a course, I think that how we interact together as adults is an opportunity to model how leaders in different capacities can work with the adults that they are working with or the families that they're working with, or the groups of students that they're working with. So yeah, I do consciously think about it as modeling. As we sit down, I mean, you need to be, as a principal, you need to be humble. 
You need to be able to build trust. You need to be humanized so people understand that everybody makes mistakes. One of the most important aspects of, of being a leader is being able to walk walk and talk the walk mm -hmm. and if you're constantly asking people again to make adjustments for kids and you don't and you're prescribed and you're like boom 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 this is compliancy yeah. but then you ask them to do something differently no one's following you and the entire role of a, a principal isn't isn't always to be the leader sometimes you're walking side by side and building the capacity of your teachers beside you to lead, so then it becomes a we as opposed to an I. We talk about that stuff in class, and that might not be in the supervision and instruction, but it's a real life thing to think about as you're going through just the the importance of words, right? So there's other life skills that might not be built into our course description, but everything, not one thing I can think of that we, we spoke about in a class wouldn't be beneficial in their career, you know, current career as well as future career. Well, and I was going to add, I mean, it sounds like we all are kind of talking about like our philosophy of education as mm -hmm. well, our philosophy of teaching. And while the instructors all have the same philosophy of working and modeling and uh, making sure we build up the students. The, Mike mentioned the, the notion that there are some courses that have specific curriculum as well, that where they go more in depth into specific curriculum. So we have like the curriculum planning course, we have the school law course, we have the principalship course, the um, director of special education and pupil services. So I think it's important to also acknowledge that these are the curriculums that we're doing this teaching philosophy or this teaching model on top of that curriculum that's coming through so that we could um, do the day-to-day -day with the students and that we could do the support of the students as they're coming in and also intertwine all of the courses throughout our, our program. Mike, you said something too, and I'll let you jump in, but it just made me think. You said, you know, sometimes you're not always the leader. Sometimes you step on the side and 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 become a we. I think that's a – just want to give you cred to say that is a leader, though, to be able to recognize – when you need to step out of a hierarchy is what you were saying in a sense right is to know i'm now going to be with you shepherding togetherness with that and so that's leading though too i just want i just well, I giving you some cred that. i appreciate okay that. <laughs> you had something else you wanted to add yeah, I, I wanted to add a little bit when we were talking about the you had mentioned the curriculum and instruction class and you know one of my wonderings when i the first time i taught that class is you know how often as a principal do, are you, you you as a principal we don't pick curriculum we don't pick the curriculum right that's director instruction that's that group however that's why we made those adjustments of all right so this isn't really about picking curriculum we're not picking are we using Houghton Mifflin are we using that's not it one of the things that we're hoping that you can look at is one is this sound i mean is this something that, are we going to get what is the product Mm -hmm. And then what is the rigor attached to the end product, right? And so how is that? You're looking at this. But it's also we made the, the very specific and explicit statement to our students of this class's curriculum instruction. I remember there was a gentleman sitting to the right <laughs> of me that was like, I need to make sure I have something out of my hand. I'm like, you might not get that, buddy, because what you're going to get here is it's, we're going to be talking about culturally relevant. Mm -hmm. How yeah. is this? And, if, and you might not get that. I can't promise you you're going to get it. If you don't get it, good luck. 
you know, because if you don't understand the importance of this, and then we talked about just the, the culturally relevant, we still brought in materials, we still spoke about this, but then we said, how do we make this engaging to the teachers to help them make it engaging to the kids? So we're not selling a content. No. We're selling a concept and a philosophy and a, and a, and a way of knowing. And so if there's culturally relevant, understanding that that is in one way possibly when we see textbooks that are, quote, here's your culturally relevant pedagogy, the reality in our classes is, well, we're going to check that out and see if that's actually true. <laughs> right. Jennifer, from from leading in the realm of special education, some special, is, is there a curriculum itself there too that is, do students look for canned curriculum when they're coming to your class? I've never asked that question, but I'm, th- I'm, I'm thinking, I mean, my initial reaction is no, because the course is designed around what future directors, what do they need to know and be able to do? So it isn't so much about studying a curriculum, if you will, as much as it is, what do these leadership standards look like and what are the tasks, like in practice, and what are the tasks, what's the work that's associated with that? Mm -hmm. And there are some things that are very managerial and very compliance-laden and very process-oriented. There are other things that I think are much more important, which are more around continuous improvement and achievement for students and long-term vision and setting up structures that support uh, inclusive practices for all kids. So I keep hearing leading as we come back. So the the nitty-gritty of coming to Edgewood to get a license and degree in one of our leadership areas. It's not about a principal. It's not about a director of instruction. It's not about a director of pupil services. It's about, yes, you'll get that state credential. You'll get that ability to go into a school, fill out a resume and say, I have that license. But what we're saying is, is that that license is part of what you get The reality of what you're getting with us is leadership and understanding and advocacy, culturally relevant pedagogy, linguistic diversity, equity, being at the tops of everything that we're doing. Wow. One last question, though, for you, Lalo. I'm doing this, uh, you know, full time, which means I'm teaching. I'm taking classes at, at night at Edgewood. How long? So normally, depending, I mentioned previously, if it's if you're doing the principal license only or if you're doing the master's, most of the students who go for the master's program usually take about two years. Okay. Um, and the ones who go for just the principal usually take between a year and a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Our courses are designed to be taken in eight-week sessions. And so then we have a session one and a session two. In a f- semester. Per semester, yeah. Okay. And then the courses usually are in the afternoon, usually 5.30 to 8.30. So students are typically then in a semester going to take a course in the first eight weeks, a course in the second eight weeks, and then doing that then each semester for about two years is a- If the, it's a master's, yes. Okay. So there we a year and a half. Can I add one yeah, thing to that? Yeah, Mike. One of the most attractive things in this program, though, is that Edgewood- because of the personalization of this, it is much more flexible to people that are working, understanding that you're spending the day giving everything you have, working with with our babies out there, right? Mm-hmm. If somebody's not feeling well or is in a particularly emotional day, we've ran into that as well as we're like, listen, we will catch you up. You need to take care of yourself. Yeah. We will get the notes. We will get them partnered up. 
and we catch up. You know, it's not it's not an out. You don't get a buy. You're still providing. I mean, you're still going to be able to show us a proficiency. But because of the fact that it's smaller class sizes, we build, I would say, strong relationships with staff and students that there's that professional trust as well as, yep, we got you. We'll take care of it. When you come back, we will catch you up. You know, I know that's not the case at, at some of our other institutions. And I'm not spe- I'm not throwing shade that way. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that we know that you have a full-time job and you are doing this on top to make a difference in that full-time job. So we're going to be flexible with you. Now, the last part, though, so we did the nitty gritty, we got into the leading, we understand it's advocacy, we understand it's culturally relevant. Jennifer, why should I make that step to become a leader at Edgewood College? You should choose to make that step to become a leader um, through Edgewood College uh, because you will form an incredible network uh, of professionals that will be there for you for the long haul, um, not just in your program, uh, but in your work um, and in your transition into leadership. You will have an ongoing network and ongoing um, resources from which to draw upon that will help you practically for a very long time. Mike? Earlier in this conversation, we spoke about you know identifying your why. Mm-hmm. Right? If your why is to make a difference, to, to help change systems, to break down barriers, to um, uh, create different pathways for kids to be successful. In Edgewood, just because of the ability to really cater to the learner, it's going to give you an opportunity to build some peers, thought partners, being able to be in a a trust-filled environment in which majority, if not all, want to be that difference maker, right? It is something, the real-time things, it's affordable, right? It doesn't take an extremely long time to do, but it's high quality, I know that I wouldn't be sitting here if I didn't feel that this was high quality because I will never put my name on something that I I didn't 100% truly believe and trust in. That is just something that's important to me. I have multiple staff that I've brought into the program, and so it's also I'm investing in my personal capital because of the fact that I'm bringing people in because I'm telling them this is going to be an amazing experience for you because I know they're going to be leaders. They're going to be excellent principals. Lalo. I think for me it goes back to the becoming the agents of change. Um, A lot of, as we mentioned earlier, a lot of the teachers who are already great leaders in in the educational field, it's just how do we take that excellence and make it more into an administrative leadership as well and be able to create that change that you could have. As a teacher, you have the impact in the classroom. As an administrator, you have the, the impact on the whole school and potentially the whole district. And you could become that vision, that mission. You could have that be the going back to the why of why you're doing this. And I think it's just a way of having a greater impact. Um, going back to episode one, we talked about the a ripple effect mm-hmm. of how much effect you could have and how far you're reaching you could have your commitment to education. Jennifer, Mike, Lalo, thank you so much for spending some really quality time and laying this out for future students. Um, the idea here is powerful. Just had a wonderful time. If I had more time in my life, I think you've all convinced me that I should have actually gone back and gotten real leadership credentials instead of de facto becoming the dean. But, um, you know, what a wonderful, great opportunity to learn with all of you. So thank you guys so much. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming as well. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's great to have the faculty here as well. Now you know why. Reach out to Edgewood. And join us next time for Episode 5 
a class reunion. The teachers will be gone, the students will take over, and we'll find out why they chose Edgewood. Interested in finding out more about the education leadership program at Edgewood College? Call Joanne Eastman at 608-663-3250 or send her an email jeastman at edgewood.edu. And please hit the subscribe button so you always know when it's time to check out the next episode of A Matter of Principles from the School of Education at Edgewood College.